This podcast is part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Programme and is brought to you with the support of BPI France. You're listening to the Fintech Podcast, the show that goes deep into the stories, the successes and failures that went into creating some of the world's most fantastic fintechs. Gotkin, and in this episode, how Nimrod Lahavi turned his frustrating experience of buying crypto into simplex, and why it was anything but simple. It was uphill battle all the way. Uh, super difficult to raise uh, money from investors. The, the entire time of the company, we've raised uh, something like 18 million dollars, almost all of it from angel investors. Almost none of them really understood what we're doing. Almost none of them is into crypto. It's been super challenging. Uh, opening bank accounts, getting licenses, uh, discussions with regulators, everything is, you know, uphill battle. Everything. Um, good thing we're not afraid of the challenge. Nimrod Lehavi, co-founder and CEO of Simplex. Thanks so much for joining me on the FNTech podcast. Thank you. Um, so you describe yourselves as fiat crypto infrastructure. You, you essentially help crypto exchanges and wallets swap one for the other. Is that a, a reasonable summary? Yeah, it's uh, close enough. We're the leading platform in uh, on-ramps and off-ramps for the uh, crypto ecosystem. We've been doing it since uh, 2014, uh, so so quite some time, uh, working with uh, hundreds of partners across the, the crypto ecosystem, exchanges, wallets, brokers, um, uh, projects, what have you. And um, why do they need you? Why can't they just accept cash and sell crypto directly or vice versa? I mean, I assume it's more complicated than selling physical products online, but, but why, why do they need you? So initially, when we started the business in uh, 2014, the, it was pretty much impossible to, to have any relationship with anyone, uh, whether it's uh, a bank, an acquiring bank, a payment service provider or anything of sorts. Uh, so it was extre- extremely challenging at the time. Today, it's uh, slightly easier. More acquiring banks are open to processing uh, crypto transactions. But there's also uh, an inherent issue with uh, online payments with credit cards, which is the chargeback, the, the ability of the user to uh, call the credit card company, say, hey, it wasn't me uh, who made the payment. So let's say I steal your credit card. I buy Bitcoin with it. I get the Bitcoin and then... You call the credit card company saying it wasn't you and the money is returned to you. So basically, you didn't lose. The I stole your credit card, so now I have Bitcoin. And the one getting the short end of the stick is the exchange who sold you the crypto. So again, at the time, it was uh, considered kind of a holy grail. It was uh, considered impossible to mitigate the fraud correlated with uh, uh, crypto transactions. We've uh, pioneered in... Uh, in that space, we, we started the, the service as a complete uh, suite of solutions that aggregates the payment, the checkout, uh, reading you of uh, everything that has to do with regulation. You don't need a bank account. You don't need a license. You don't even have to stick with fiat. We can have you getting paid in crypto. So, um, again, it, it's the, 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 the processing part itself has become much simpler these days. Fraud is always a problem, always an issue. We have our own proprietary system that is uh, taking care in, of uh, eliminating these uh, these chargebacks. 
um, almost 100%. Uh, but yeah, so now we were just expanding to additional payment methods, additional banking services. These days, you can open a bank account through us, uh, issue a debit card. Our first cards are hitting the market in about a week. Um, and making it easier and more frictionless to get your hands on crypto and to sell crypto for fiat. And these debit cards, people will effectively be spending from their crypto balances or their fiat balances or whatever they have? So actually, they'll be spending from their bank account opened with us, connected directly to crypto. So we are we have a, a banking uh, infrastructure service enabling uh, users to deposit and withdraw funds, but also buy and sell cryptocurrencies directly from that bank account. And again, we, we're doing it as an infrastructure layer. So basically, it's enabling our partners to let their users uh, open bank accounts and issue debit cards. Okay. And uh, how did you stumble upon this opportunity, this uh, unmet need, let's call it, uh, in the crypto space? Uh, what was it that happened? What was the story that led you to uh, founding Simplex? So I was in software uh, for, I'd say, 15 years or so. I had a, a software company and I just bumped into Bitcoin. At the time, there was only Bitcoin around 2011, 2012. Uh, got really fascinated, wanted to buy some, but it was literally impossible to buy. It's, it was You had to know someone who was selling, wire him the money. And, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, so I wouldn't wire money to somebody I don't know. So, you know, I was struggling with it a lot. And it seemed like something that needs more accessibility for sure. Um, and, you know, in, in these days, we're in our peak, uh, you know, peak months. We're doing uh, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, no, sorry, hundreds of millions of dollars in, in uh, volume. It's clearly something that's still... Uh, requires more work. People want their access. You know, these days we're hitting something like 200 million user base in crypto. It still needs to get to the, the billions of users. That's one of the reasons that we expanded our services also to banking, uh, on-ramps and off-ramps, enabling it to a wider range of, uh, of population globally. Also, we're adding additional payment methods. Uh, since we've been acquired by uh, Nouvelle, a uh, Canadian uh, payment giant. Uh, we're going to add, using their infrastructure, something like 500 payment methods uh, for you know basically anywhere uh, on top of the earth. So users will be able to buy easily um, crypto everywhere. Okay, well, I'll come back to the uh, acquisition of Simplex a little bit sure. later on. But so when, when you, you saw that there was a problem in terms of, you know, buying and selling crypto, I guess. Uh, was this an easy sell to investors? Was it easy to get customers on board? What were your experiences when you go up to the VCs maybe here in Israel or, or anywhere else and say, hey, this is my idea, you know, give me some money and, and I'll make it work? All but that. Um, it was uphill battle all the way. Uh, super difficult to raise uh, money from investors. Uh, we've We've... The, the entire time of the company, we've raised uh, something like $18 million, almost all of it from angel investors. Uh, almost none of them really understood what we're doing. Almost none of them is into crypto. Uh, it's been super challenging. Uh, opening bank accounts, getting licenses, uh, discussions with regulators, everything is, you know, uphill battle, everything. Um Good thing we're not afraid of the challenge, but, you know, I think that 
um, the fact that we have to be kind of the snow piercer. We had to be the snow piercer in this, uh, getting the first acquirers on on that, getting the first banks, getting the the licenses in Europe have all created a situation where today it's much easier. So, you know, I take great pride in the fact that today acquiring credit cards uh, services is, is much, much easier. I think that we've definitely paved the, the way for that. Um, I think that today investors are still, you know, slightly more interested in the space. Well, not today, but let's say two months ago, they were very interested in the space. Uh, investors in Israel are still very reluctant to dive into the space. I think the U.S. is very much leading it, uh, especially, you know, Anderson Horowitz and, and the, the top uh, crypto firms. But it's, it's still very, very early days. So when you went to investors here, they just laughed you out of the room. They just said no. They just slammed the door in your face. Uh, what was the... <laughs> all of the above and more. I mean, nobody left because that's not something that they do. But I do have like, a, I was, uh, someone was just writing in Facebook, like he came back from another meeting with investors that uh, said no. So I, I you know, I, my response was, I have an Excel with 300 investors who said no. So I wasn't, I wasn't impressed easily by them as well. And you're, you're regulated, what, in, in Europe, you've got a yeah. banking license in the European Union. It's not a banking license, it's an EMI license, an electronic money issuer, which is very close to, to a banking license, can't issue credit. We are working on expanding uh, the license to a, a full-fledged uh, bank. Um, now, through the acquiring company, we'll also have licenses available for us uh, across the US in other jurisdictions as well. And after those initial challenges in terms of uh, fundraising, uh, what other challenges did you face? Uh, what were the biggest uh, issues you, you had along the way? Perhaps any that uh, you know, made you think you'd made a mistake yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm really problematic. I have a really strong conviction in what I do. So I never thought <laughs> I, we, we, we made a mistake. It was clearly something that is very challenging all the way. Uh, explaining the regulators, explaining the risks to regulators with regards to anti-money laundering and uh, terror financing. Uh, but we were able to, we we're licensed in uh, Lithuania, uh, which is part of the EU, so the license is European, uh, passported across Europe. But we found the, the regulator there to, to be very uh, responsive and very uh, on the listening side. They were willing to hear us out understand what we're doing, why it's safe, why it's actually safer than most other services in, in uh, you know, in AML terms. The fact that we underwrite every transaction and we guarantee it means that we are effectively, if, if a transaction was done with a uh, bad AML, a bad KYC, sorry, uh, know your customer, it means that we are going to get a chargeback, meaning that we're going to pay out of pocket. So basically we are the only company globally which is liable financially and immediately for a wrongful KYC. So in a sense, we are uh, we, we have the financial incentive to follow KYC regulations much better than any bank. Okay. Uh, so you founded the company, what, in 2014, I think? Yeah. Um, maybe we can go a bit further back than that i mean uh, you're you're based in israel you're, you're you're born here you grew up here what, what was your tell me you know how are things growing up were they pretty normal pretty average were you like on a kibbutz or something what were you, what were you <laughs> i was a, oh, in a moshav i grew up uh, next to the sea of galilee uh 
you know, it was normal for there, you know, <laughs> nothing much to do there. Uh, went to the military, started uh, mechanical engineering in the Technion uh, for one year. Didn't like it at all. The only thing I liked there was uh, programming C. That was the one course I liked. Uh, jumped to the interdisciplinary center in Herzliya for, you know, computer science degree, but I already started working as a freelancer, freelance developer. Uh, which was a great time for that. It was, you know, 97, basically, all you needed to do is claim you can write some code and you were great. So, uh, great timing for that. Then I already, you know, during school, I already started uh, the outsourcing company. Uh, did that for quite some time. Uh, got involved in all kinds of projects with tons of startups, uh, you know, uh, uh, military in Israel, banks, uh, telephoning companies, everything. And the kind of entrepreneurial route was something your, your, your folks were pretty supportive of? Was this something that ran in the family or a, are you a pioneer? Uh, again, I'd say that, you know, I have a very strong conviction in, in what I do. I kind of, um, for better or, or worse, I lack the part that needs external approval of what I do. So I don't really care. Uh, you know, I, did, <laughs> I didn't really care. I, I don't need that much of external support. Uh, so, you know, it's great that my, you know, my wife supports me on everything I do. But other than hair support, I don't really need, you know, anyone's approval. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of which, I mean, Israel's, uh, you know, army is, is known for kind of encouraging, let's say, uh, uh, you know, dissenting voices, uh, or uh, even if it goes against the one's superiors. Uh, I mean, it's also seen widely as being, you know, one of the key incubators of, of you know, the country's future band of technology entrepreneurs. How did it help you? Not by a long shot. I was. <laughs> I started the flight course, got kicked out, uh, right. went to the because I flew like shit. <laughs> I was just really bad at it. Um, so I got kicked uh, to the armored forces. I uh, was a tank commander. Didn't have anything to do with technology. Okay. Um, so <laughs> I, I, fall out, out the, I just had this conversation with my, one of my daughters that you know the the narrative of the horrible pupil, horrible student that, that becomes an entrepreneur. That's me. I was an awful student. I was an awful. I was awful in school, awful in university, awful in the army. Uh, have a huge problem with authority, um, and you know. So on that part, I am exactly that narrative. And she told me it's really damaging. As a narrative, because as a kid in school, you hear all, all these stories and you tell yourself, like, on the third grade, I can do shit in school because most successful entrepreneurs at the end of the day did horrible in school. Right. Uh, well, I guess it's like, a, do, do, do as I say, don't do as I do, perhaps. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, so, but I mean, you know, uh, okay, so you got kicked out of, uh, you know, flight, the, 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 the Air Force and went to the tank division. I mean, were there, were there any things that you can share with us that, that perhaps, uh, you know, helped you, I don't know, in the way that you make decisions or, you know, collaborate with people or anything like that? Was it just something you did and that was it? <laughs> no lessons learned? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, again, I, I have a huge problem with authority, so it was definitely problematic. Uh, <laughs> I was problematic. Um, I don't think it, I mean, it definitely creates a lot of resilience in you, just, you know, having to do all the time things that you really don't want to do. You know, friction, but evolution is created under pressure, right? That's, uh, that's the way everything in evolution is created. Uh, Diamonds as well. Yeah, yeah. 
You have all to right. adapt all the time. Well, look, uh, Nimrod, uh, going to come back to your story in, in just a moment. I just need to remind our listeners that this podcast is part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Programme for 2021. And in this special pandemic period, you can enjoy throughout the year top-level live sessions with key industry players, exclusive on-demand interviews such as this one, and use our innovative digital networking capabilities to meet your peers, develop your network, create new business opportunities, and continue to build together the future of the fin and tech industry. And you can find out more at www.parisfintechforum.com. Um, so when people, a lot of Israelis, they come out of the army, they go off traveling for a year, South America or Asia, depending on their preferences. Uh, and then this was something that, that you were kind of uh, went off and did as well, or you just went straight into, uh, into business? Not so much. I was, <laughs> I was actually, I was supposed to go to Australia for a trip. I um, did my diving course and then I met my wife. So I didn't go <laughs> at wow. the end of the day. Yeah. So then uh, university and then and then into your kind of software yeah. company and projects. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So and then eventually 2014 comes along and, and Simplex is born. Yeah. Actually started working on it on 2013, established it, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a company in 2014. Okay. And uh, as you mentioned just a short while ago, uh, you sold Simplex to Canada's uh, Nouvelle for $250 million, uh, give or take. Um, you must have been thrilled, especially given the uh, small amount of funds you'd raised. I guess that turned out to be a blessing in the end. Yeah, I think it was um, the, the timing was, was uh, right for us, I think. And also we were hugely impressed by their... Uh, understanding and and even i would say you know conviction in the narrative that crypto is going to take over the fact that you know such a huge you know 15 billion dollar public company in payments global understand that crypto is something that's supposed to be strategic for them and for the payment industry the fact that they're you know going deep and not just kind of flinging with with crypto enabling payment but uh, a real strategic move and understood completely our roadmap, uh, our aspirations towards banking, towards global services, towards uh, card issuing. We're also uh, a principal member of uh, Visa, so we're issuing cards. The, the, all these things were, you know, checked all the all the boxes for them in what they were looking in the industry, and for us, it also checked all the boxes. Like instead of us uh, pursuing U.S. licenses, which would have taken us two years. They're now accessible to us. So I think it's, you know, it's amazing for us. It's amazing for them. And it's amazing for the users that we'll be able to use all the, the as much as I hate the word, the synergies that are created, um, you know, post this m And, you know, as one of the co-founders, presumably you uh, did quite nicely out of that. Has anything kind of changed for you? Like a faster car, bigger house, fewer hours, <laughs> more time on the golf course? No, I don't play golf. I'm slightly workaholic. So I don't think that's going to change. I'm going to stay here for you know at least a few years just to see through the the transition and you know make sure that the the narrative persists. Uh, you know probably going to change a car, but you know that's pretty small. Um, I, I really love the job. I really love Simplex. I still you know I still wear wear Simplex T-shirts all the time. Uh, that's still my baby. Uh, I still want to see it through to grow and and fulfill the potential uh and in terms of the company uh people you know retaining staff once there's been this uh the exit and everything it's it's all yeah, absolutely stays the same 
for, for the time being. I mean, you know, at the end of the road, I'm guessing it's supposed to be full integration, but for the time being, it's uh, everything stays as it is. So you won't be moving to Canada anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't visited yet even. <laughs> because of the corona, uh, the whole situation right now really limits uh, traveling. Yeah. And uh, I mean, uh, just more broadly speaking in the industry, you know, in uh, August, uh, the Mm -hmm. head of the SEC, Gary Gensler, described the crypto space as a wild west, rife with fraud, scams and abuse. Mm -hmm. What did you make of that? He has a point, doesn't he? No, I mean, he does. But what what, what about banking? Has he he recently looked at banking? Has he recently looked at, you know, uh, uh, companies that are working, public companies working in the US? Played was... Uh, settling for play, you know, the the poster child of the fintech industry was settling for eighty five million dollar uh, multiple class actions. Uh, Robin Hood again, another poster child was paying, I think, uh, seventy million dollars in fines. So yeah, crypto is problematic, but <laughs> you know, every every field is uh, uh, has its issues. I think that. You don't think crypto crypto has more issues? I mean, it's almost every other week you see people either losing their money in various exchanges or you see, you know, crypto being used for, you know, ransomware attacks. You see uh, people being unable to, you know, uh, exit their their trades or their holdings on certain exchanges, you know, even... We can unpack it one by one. With regards to scams, um, there are huge scams with credit cards just because, you know, we know them. There are huge scams with cash. I would claim that all the, you know, all these uh, preacher churches in the U.S. are scams. You know, send us money, we'll send you double, whatever. So, you know, there, there are so many scams. Uh, the the um, FinCEN said, I think it was even 2013, still the number one way to launder money is the $100 bill. The, there's no way around it. The, the cash is still the, the biggest problem. I don't think that uh, crypto has to be perfect. It just needs to be better than cash and better than wire transfers. And it is. Just like, you know, self-driving cars, doesn't have, it doesn't have to be perfect. just needs to drive better than you drive. And it does. So, yes, there are problems, but I think that the benefits outweigh the problems by a lot. The fact that there are ways today to explore uh, all kinds, a a variety of very different and very disruptive financial models, I think it's amazing. And, you know, it's a a pay-to-play. You have to know, you have to take responsibility over your actions. You have to know that you're not overdoing things. Just like, you know, another, I'll, I'll give you an example. I just had this discussion with one of our employees. He said that he feels more comfortable with a bank taking care of his money with the limitations, you know, limiting transactions and limiting who he can transact with. And it's fine by him. And asked him, fine, let's say they now say the same about you driving a car. There, there's a 50% more chance that you'll have a car accident if you're driving at night. Would you find it acceptable for you know whoever the government or the ministry of transportation telling you you can't drive at night because of this risk it, it, it you find it insane but it's exactly the same as they saying to you you can't wire more than i don't know 50 grand out of your bank account so i i see great resemblance in that yes it requires way more responsibility on the personal level but that's not bad 
whether it's justified or not, it would seem that uh, Gary Gensler of the SEC uh, has crypto in his sights. Uh, I mean, what, what's the best or worst thing that a regulator could do right now to, to, that could perhaps uh, cause you problems at Simplex? Um, so the, the, the one big thing on the, right now that's on the table is KYC every crypto transaction. I think it will damage the U.S. a lot. I think it'll damage the crypto industry in a medium level. On us, it wouldn't really affect because we do KYC on every transaction anyhow. So it wouldn't change the course of business. It would delay adoption in the U.S. Uh, by a lot. And I think that it will you know, be the, the last nail in the coffin of the, the crypto industry in the U.S. and China will just take over completely. I think that even right now with a digital yuan uh, already deployed and working, and the U.S. just making regulations stricter and stricter is already placing the U.S. in a second place, which is super dangerous on a global level. Because if if, if China continues this trend and, and continue pushing, it won't be long before, you know, all of their influence, influenced uh, um, countries, let's say in Africa, start using it as the de facto foreign exchange comp- uh, currency. And the dollar will be out. And if the U.S. doesn't move fast enough on either regulation or issuance of a digital dollar, the digital yuan will be the fact of the, the currency of, of transaction globally. And by the U.S. just continue to limit more and more of the crypto industry in the U.S. is, is I, I think, is insane, you know, on the long term. I mean, do you think that perhaps, uh, you know, some of the... Uh China hawks there will be saying, look, we, we can't go too tough on this industry because it will just all move over to China and we'll lose out eventually. Do you think there are voices there in the administration that perhaps will will win through and that uh, as a result of that, you know, Simplex and other crypto companies will, will, be do, will, will be just fine? I hope so. I think that there's a, there's, as long as they're able to to make the, the connection between crypto and the flexibility and liberty of of cash, which I think they can, there there was already a precedent uh, case in the I think it was the '60s in the U.S. that the way you spend your money is you exercising your freedom of speech, and if they're able to make this uh, correlation and, and explain that. Uh, making someone, you know, restrict someone from using crypto is just like restricting them from using cash. It's basically, a, you know, them screwing around with freedom of speech. I think that, you know, if they take uh, that path of the discussion, I think it will be easier to mitigate the involvement uh, in in crypto regulation. I hope they do. I've, I, I don't have enough understanding or, frankly, interest in, in the U.S. government uh, uh, movers and shakers. And... Uh in terms of crypto itself, uh, do, uh, do you do you personally kind of invest in Bitcoin, Ethereum, others, and the like? Naturally, I'm, <laughs> I'm in the ecosystem for a decade, you know. So, uh, so go on, just make us feel really jealous. What price did you first buy Bitcoin uh, at? I started trying to buy when it was single-digit dollars. Uh, then I managed to buy when it was double-digit low dollars. I can tell you sad stories as well. Like I, I sold fifteen thousand ETH. Uh, for a dollar each because it was going nowhere for a year. <laughs> wow. So so perhaps you actually ended up making more money out of Bitcoin than you did out of uh, out of Simplex by, by perhaps that calculation. Uh, and uh, would you be uh, uh, 
brave enough to make any predictions for, for the rest of this year for, for cryptocurrencies? No, not for the rest of the year. I, I find it kind of useless. Um, I, I don't really believe that we're back in the bull market. I think that the bear market didn't really didn't happen for a long enough period. I think it's still like a, it's an extensive bull trap. Uh, so I don't buy into it. Uh, I think we're still going to suffer a few years of actual, a few months, sorry, of actual uh, crypto winter. Um, but it's going to be short. I think that, you know, next year is definitely going to be another bull run. Okay. Well, look, uh, Nimrod, this is my, the kind of final question that I ask uh, everyone on the Tech podcast. And that is this, uh, what is the weirdest or craziest thing you've uh, ever built or done in your life? And uh, Simplex cannot be the answer. Oh, no, I've, I've, so I was one of the founders of a conference called Geekon uh, in Israel. And it's a weekend long conference that we always do um, useless projects, hardware, software. So, so I've done a bunch. Like, I think my, my favorite one was uh, machines playing and solving uh, Simon, the, the game with the four lights and sounds. Simon says. Yeah, so something that solves it, and you know, just you can just give it a device, and it's plays, it's playing it by itself. Wow, and that wasn't something uh, <laughs> that had any commercial. Uh... No, of course, no, no, no. All the projects there, none of the projects have commercial use. They're all completely stupid. Once I did build over a weekend a crypto ATM, just you know, to to because it was fun. It was twenty the twenty thirteen conference. I built a Bitcoin ATM. And how did that go down? Uh, it went down fine. I sold some Bitcoin to people at the time. I was still pushing it to everyone. It was like, I think, un- under 100 bucks, or maybe like 100 bucks. Gosh. Well, yeah. uh, you're, making, you're making me jealous, but, uh, you know, we'll see where things go. But uh, look, uh, we're kind of out of time. So I really just want to thank you uh, for taking the time to speak to me, uh, Nimrod Lahavi, co-founder and CEO of Simplex. Uh, thank you very much and best of luck for the rest of the year. Thank you. Take care. Founding any fintech can be a grind, but try raising funds for a crypto infrastructure play back when hardly anyone had heard of it. It surely helps that Nimrod isn't averse to challenges or recognizing his limitations, such as with flying fighter jets, as well as the single-mindedness that's meant he's only ever worked for himself. So thank you, Nimrod Lahavi, and thank you for listening to the Fintech podcast with me, Elliot Gotkin, now part of the Paris Fintech Forum Communities Program. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and you can get updates and listen to all previous episodes via the website, www.parisfintechforum.com. If you have any comments, suggestions, or feedback, you can find us on LinkedIn and on Twitter, at Paris fin Forum or at Elliot Gotkin. That's it from me. Thanks again to BPI France for sponsoring this podcast. We'll be back again next week for more of the best F in tech. Hope you'll join us again then. Bye-bye.